Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Extra Time, a web-only sports program from Radio New Zealand Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In today's program, the All-Whites defender Andrew Durante talks about the loss of captain Winston Reid for the World Cup qualifiers against Mexico. We remember Samoan and Auckland rugby identity Peter Fatialofa, who passed away earlier this week in Samoa. And the All Blacks are about to field their most experienced Ford pack in Test history. We preview the test against France in Paris this weekend. And ahead of the Fast Five international netball competition in Auckland this weekend, the Silver Ferns captain Casey Coppola reveals she's never even played the game before. The All-Whites already slim hopes of beating Mexico in this month's home and away. Football World Cup qualifiers just got even slimmer this week with the news that captain Winston Reid won't be taking part. He's been ruled out with an ankle injury. Reid suffered the injury while training with his English Premier League club West Ham and could be out for up to 10 weeks. The All-Whites have a training camp in Los Angeles next week ahead of their opening match in Mexico City. Fellow defender and Wellington Phoenix captain Andrew Durante says Reid's absence is a major blow. If you probably at the single one person who didn't want to be injured out of the whole squad, it's probably him. So, um, you know, obviously, you know, very bad news. But, um, you know, give someone a chance to step in and, uh, you know, prove what they've got and, and put in a massive performance over in Mexico. Can you expand on what he does, what he means to the team? He's the most, uh, high, obviously, he's the highest profile player, the only one playing in the English Premier League. He's probably one of the most consistent defenders in the English Premier League as well. So, look, the boys look up to him. He's, he's, a, he's a great uh, role model. I mean, I'm 31 and, you know, I'm, I'm in awe of what he does at the age of 25. So he's a huge loss on and off the field. You just know he's going to do his job. If he goes up for a header, you know he's going to win it. If he goes in for a tackle, you, you know he's just consistent. He knows, um, you know, he's a very good reader of the game. Uh, and, he, and he, you know, he's a, he's a good talker. He organises people around him. So... Um, you know, his experience playing in the Premier League was, was invaluable for us and, and losing that is, is going to be difficult. There's a fair few things for you guys to think about this week. You know, there's Winston Reid things come along, you've got your game and you've got to get on this flight. How easy is it to compartmentalise all these little bits and pieces? Yeah, there's been a lot of um, a lot of things going on around, you know, the Phoenix and New Zealand football, but just got to try and take it one one thing at a time. We've got the Phoenix game this week uh, on Saturday that we're, we've got to get up for. Um, obviously, we've, we haven't won a game yet, so that's, that's on the forefront of our minds that we need to get points, especially Perth, who are travelling a long way. So, um, you know, that's first and foremost. And then, obviously, we'll jump on the plane straight after that game and get to get to LA and get into camp. And then it's, you know, 100% focused on, on those games coming up. Is this high line something that's just going to take time to get in bed? Yeah, obviously, we, we've never really done that in previous seasons, kept a really high line. And, um, you know, we tried to do it. Uh, at victory, but we, we got it all wrong. We were staying too high instead of dropping and going back up, and, and that's something only spoke to us about after the game. And, and we'll get better at it. Um, you know, we're, I think there's signs in that second half. We you know we showed some really good football, some, probably some of the best football we've played at the Phoenix in a very very long time. So it's you know there's a lot of positives to take out of it. Everything sort of been sorted for after that match. You got the motorcade and the police outriders. Too. Yeah, New Zealand football have done everything, and, and Wellington Phoenix we put the game forward straight after the game. We'll be chauffeured straight to the 
to uh, the airport, um, jump on a flight from Christchurch to Auckland. Um, from what I understand, if, if there's any delays, Air New Zealand will we'll try and hold as long as they can. So we'll, I'm pretty confident we'll be on the flight. There'll be no problems and um, you know, it'll be happy days. You haven't had anything like that before? No, not really. Never been rushed um, after a game like that to try and get, catch a flight and then obviously go you know, 13, 14-hour flight. Uh, to LA, so it'll be new for us, but um, yeah, that's what's ahead of us. Sounds like it was player driven, so you feel this is the best way for you to prepare? Player driven, what's player driven? Well, you asked New Zealand football, uh, the Phoenix players, that's what you wanted. You obviously feel playing's the best way for you personally. Oh, look, that was sorted between the club and and, uh, and country. I mean, they Phoenix obviously want us to play, where as players we want to play, we want to play every game, and, and this is where we get. Our wages, so um, you know, we, we put our hand up and said we wanted to play. Uh, at the end of the day, if New Zealand football came back and said 100% no one's playing, then you know that's what we've got to um, obey. But um, they've allowed us to play. Um, we'll give 100% for the Phoenix, then get our minds right for the for the big games. That's all Whites defender and Wellington Phoenix captain Andrew Durante. The Samoan and New Zealand rugby communities are mourning the loss of the former Manu Samoa rugby captain Peter Fatialofa, who died in Samoa on Wednesday at the age of 54. As Radio New Zealand International's Vinnie Wiley reports, he's being remembered as a generous family man who loved his rugby. Papali Itali Peter Fatialofa was found in his car in front of a local market at Fungalei in Apia after seven this morning. An ambulance took him to the National Hospital where he was pronounced dead. Our correspondent in Apia, Altangavaya Tipi Altangavaya, says the news has left people in Samoa lost for words. I know the whole country is now mourning when they get the news, uh, the death of... Uh one of our very well-known son of Samoa. He did a lot, not only for the Manu Samoa team, but for the development of the sports in the country and to put Samoa on the map. Fetty Lofa made his rugby debut for the Ponsonby Senior Club site in 1980. He graduated to the all-conquering Auckland team, which held the Ranfilly Shield from 1985 to 1993. Auckland's coach at the time, Morris Trapp, says Fetty Lofa was given the title of Keeper of the Shield. When it was uh, presented at the end of each of those games, um, then it was his role. Wherever he went, the shield went with him. He did go missing once, but, um, but he, he found it the next day, I think. The former all-black flanker Michael Jones, who also coached and played for Samoa, says in his early days playing for Auckland, fans kept an eye on him and even sorted out the opposition on his behalf a few times. Playing Otago and one of their um, Otago forwards, it was back in the battle. They, I suppose, you know, hit, hit me. I, I didn't see it coming, so and then I turned around and next thing that guy was lying on the ground. I don't know if he was out cold, but he was pretty much um, worse for wear. And so Fats had actually obviously <laughs> come in and, and saw what happened and took offence and knocked living daylights out of him. And the referee asked uh, him, Peter Fats, why did you do that? And Fats said, oh, well, um, Mike was a, a young Christian boy. He wasn't going to do it, so I did it for him. That's what the type of guy he was to me uh, on and off the field. Fatty Lofa was capped 34 times for Samoa and led them at the 1991 Rugby World Cup, where they recorded a famous victory over Wales. Alama Idemia played alongside Fatty Lofa and the Samoa team in the early 1990s and says he was the sort of person people wanted to follow. He always led by example and, you know, he was very inspirational uh, to a lot of us young players at the time that came through, you know, his uh, 
the values and, and, and all that in terms of what we were representing was always at the forefront of Fats's uh, mind and, and we always knew about that. So he was a great team man and um, he was basically the life and the spirit of all the teams that uh, that I was associated with. He's a very close friend and uh, very sad to lose him. Fatty Lofa was still actively involved in rugby and coached the national Manusina team, which earlier this year qualified for next year's Women's Rugby World Cup in Paris. He was also heavily involved in organising an upcoming match between the Wellington Samoans and Auckland Samoans. Although a cause of death has not been officially determined, it's suspected Peter Fatihalofa died of a heart attack. Vinnie Wiley with that report. In 2008, Peter Fatihalofa spoke to Warwick Burke on Radio New Zealand National. Among their discussion, they talked about fundraising efforts that the Samoan side had to go through to just get to the 1991 Rugby World Cup. You know, we basically were running right around Samoa asking for funds to better our team so that we could go to the World Cup in 91 looking like a team. And obviously sponsorship was never an easy thing because, you know, we're, we're just the new kids on the block and obviously no one's willing to put in the money that, uh, you know, that other teams get. But, you know, uh, the, the fundraising really got the people behind the team because, you know, as far as they were concerned, we were just another team. But uh, once we qualified for the World Cup, uh, all of a sudden there was a lot of uh, interest in our team and, you know, we went to uh, Polu and Savai, ran with a wheelbarrow in front and, like, the only time we ever got a lift was when we, from our village to village, sometimes there was, like, a big gap. So we jump on the bus and then we uh, get to our next village and jump off again. Then Brian Limar and Silvai Fale and all those fellas and myself would just run on the road and people would come with everything from pigs, chicken to... A measly one dollar, you know. I remember this lady, and when we were in um, Opolu, Alipata, and she she was running from a good mile from where her house was, right in the Wapwaps, and we could see her, and you know uh, she was running down, and her top fell off, fell fell down, but she didn't care. She just picked <laughs> it up. You know, we couldn't see her, we couldn't get a really good view, but we kind of figured what had happened. But she picked her lover lover up, kept running, tied her around. By the time she got to us, she was fully clothed again, but all she had was a dollar. And, you know, it's what she said to us is that even though this is my last dollar, but, you know, this will try and help you guys to get to the World Cup. And, you know, it was special moments like that that you can never pay for. And yet some members of the British press called you New Zealand B, didn't they? Well, they... They, they, they obviously it. didn't know stories like the ones you've just been telling us. No, no. That, and um, guys like Frankie and, uh, and, and Stephen Bishop probably were the reason why... They they put the label in, obviously, for myself and Pat Lamb. But, you know, like, we had done the hard yards way before we got to the World Cup in 91. Um, in um, you know, we went to nine different countries uh, in 88, 89, twice in a row, just to get the IRB to recognise us as a, a fully-fledged uh, international rugby side where, you know, people complain about playing too many games, and yet uh, we had 14 games on... In two months, like uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, for six weeks in a row, and uh, a lot of us played uh, each game. And the game that stands out, of course, from that 1991 World Cup, and you went on to repeat it eight years later, was uh, was beating Wales at 16-13, and boy, that had the British press uh, taking notice, didn't it? Oh, definitely. And, uh, you know, for, for me, when I look back at, uh, at that era, you know, before before even that uh, occurred in '91, like Samoans, Tongans, and Fijians, we we're still trying to fit into society, uh, especially in New Zealand. And you know, society here just saw us as people who went to work, 
you know, you have a few beers, spend all the money, and not looking after their families. But uh, after the World Cup, uh, I think that people could see a different vision of the Polynesian people, and not just Samoans, because we, we progressed to the quarterfinals. But to come back to New Zealand and, and have everyone see the real side of Pacific Island people um, show that, you know, we are good sports people, you know, we've got good ethnic um, uh, morals, and uh, we we obviously had to just spruce up a little bit on on culture here in New Zealand, which uh, I think you can see a big change in the last 20 years. Uh, Peter, I remember asking Brian Williams uh, a year later, 1992, when he took uh, Manu Samoa on a tour around New Zealand, why you were so popular, and he said because they didn't know they were. They were just being themselves. The, the UK press was so used to teams that were reclusive and stuck to themselves and kept their training secret, and, and you guys were just open and natural. Yeah, well, uh, you know, um, for us, any publicity, as far as we're concerned, were good publicity. And um, like I said, we wanted to open uh, open up to the world because, you know, Fiji had been there, Tonga had been there in 87, and yet Samoa was left in limbo, and, and yet we had some great players and... You know, BG was one of the probably the only sole Samoan that was uh, flying the flags in uh, 1970, 1980. And then Joe Stanley uh, came to the fore. And then, you know, like there was a lot of people, San Timo Tongaloa, there was Michael Jones, Inga Tugamalo, all these guys were, you know, coming up in the late 80s. And um, it was just a way to show people that, uh, you know, we are open. You really saw in the 91 uh, the way Samoans really are. You know, I can't say we're all good because you know we get the odd one here and there. Um, every but, every team does, Peter. Hey, yeah, yeah. But you know, we, we try to keep. Uh, we try the guys to. Well, as far as when I was captain, was just letting the guys be themselves, and you know, it's a bit. You know, the team is totally different, mate. From '91 uh, to now, it's you know the culture, the values, everything's totally different from when I used to play. That's the late Petia Fatialofa who passed away in Samoa earlier this week. He was 54. The All Black squad named to play France in Paris on Sunday morning is being billed as the most experienced pack in history. The New Zealand coach Steve Hansen has made 11 changes to the side which beat Japan last weekend. There's a new tied five while Richie McCaw moves to open side and Aaron Smith will partner Daniel Carter in the halves. The former All Black, Ian Jones, and the French rugby journalist Christian Mallard spoke to Morning Report's Simon Mercep about their thoughts on the match in the wake of France's 3-0 series lost here earlier in the year. The Olympics have always been with Ireland, my two favourite teams. So, let me say, I bet, I'm going to give you my bet right now. I think the All Blacks will win by 38-10 to 10 or something like that. Uh, I heard today the coach of the French rugby team, Philippe Saint-André, saying that I'm going to call back uh, one of the most experimented rugby players like Morgan Parra or Pape. So he's going what I call the old reserve of experienced rugby players to face the All Blacks on this test match next Saturday in Paris. Will it be enough to make a surprise? I'm not so sure. I, I think the French rugby team right now is in a kind of transition. Uh, I, I, I would say that, that the national level... We have some good, very good teams like Toulon, Toulouse, Castres, which are doing very well at the European Championship versus British, Welsh, Scottish teams and all that. But at the national level, I don't think right now that the French team uh, will be able to beat the All Blacks, which definitely 
are overplaying uh, in the old world. They are just the very best team. All right. Well, Christian, I'm just going to ask you. I'm just going to ask Ian Jones about that. Uh, Ian, uh, Christian, there's being very um, pessimistic. Thirty-eight ten. He says. What do you think? I'll take thirty-eight ten any day against the French in Paris. Listen, we look back at those three test series, and yet we won them three nil in uh, June, but uh, we were pushed all the way. So I know this all-black team is pretty focused, certainly. In that forward back, you mentioned the experience level of, of getting one over the French. Uh, we've had we've had the run, had the wood on them over in recent years, and that doesn't mean it's going to be a lay-down Mazier. Look, this is a very respectable all-black team. It's a damn good all-black team, and uh, they'll be working pretty hard. Don't forget, they're, um, they're playing for the Dave Callagher Trophy, which is pretty special to this team. And uh, in a show of that, they're actually wearing white jerseys. Um, the All Blacks is a mark of respect for okay. Um, this day. Okay, and I guess the thing is, Christian, just when New Zealanders think the French are not playing well, they do. We all remember that World Cup final not that long ago. It was only one point in it. France yes, can yes. surprise us. I think, uh, I think if probably you would tell the French team okay. that, that they would sign for uh, a defeat by one point, as they did during the World Cup in New Zealand, definitely they would sign for it, and it would be probably of good omen for the future. Because, but, but honestly, again, Ian, uh, I have to tell you, uh, I don't believe, but of course I may be denied that yesterday because we never know the French campaigns that I keep saying, with the French you have to expect sometimes the unexpected. But with the team we have now in this transitional period, I would really doubt we'd even lose by one point. Okay. Losing one point versus the All Blacks next Saturday will be real, real kind of uh, underground victory. Okay, Christian, thank you for that. Ian Jones, just quick, a final quick thought from you. Any any chance the All Blacks will be their minds will be on the England Test, which of course that and the, they lost to England last year. Could they be distracted? No, no, not distracted. All Rich McCall's back. Great news for us. Great to have a young Charles Peartel starting. Corey Jane. So a lot for these guys to play for. We don't need to be one point. We all remember that 8-7. Uh, I'll go for 38-10, and that's the way the All Blacks might win it. That's former All Black Ian Jones and French rugby journalist Christian Mallard speaking on Morning Report. The International Fast Five Netball Series is being held in Auckland this weekend, with New Zealand hoping to defend their title in the shortened version of the game. The three-day tournament at Victor Arena consists of six teams playing five-a-side games with shooters able to shoot two points and three-pointers. The Silver Ferns captain Casey Kopur is playing in the tournament, which rounds off a disappointing international season for the New Zealand team, especially in the wake of the 4-1 Constellation Cup Series loss to Australia. Casey Kopur told Richard Wayne there's an emphasis on fun, but revealed she's never even played the game before easy to get motivated for because it is such a, you know exciting netball and the atmosphere and everything like that. And uh, how much of this sort of stuff have you played? Have you played any fast net before this? Uh, no, never. No. Um, Indoor netball? Uh, no, that's no, we're not allowed to. No? Um, well, if I did, I'd probably get injured, so I just stick to you know, the seven aside. But so it's quite an unknown quantity for you, really, isn't it? It is. It is a bit unknown. I don't really like that. I wouldn't say I'm the best at it either. Um, still learning, but you know, I think there's four of us that haven't played, so... Um, and using you know the knowledge of the ones that have played. Like Anna, she's played every tournament of this stuff. I know, she's amazing. Um, she just turns and shoots, and I think it's that basketball practice that she's had too. So 
Um, and she's always, you know, she's always a good person to have in the team, and she's got that quick shot um, as well. So versatile too. She can play almost anywhere, can't she? Yeah. Maybe really not got, your position. Uh, no, yeah, I don't know if she could be a defender, but she could be a mid-quarter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 Do you think the mid-quarter should be allowed to shoot? To be honest with you, I thought they could until I got here yesterday and read the rules. Um, but I think that would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Can't see any reason why not. Develop the game more. Yeah, Develop the more, shooters. More yeah. open, wouldn't it, as well? You know? Yeah. You'd have to be ready at any time for any shot. The Ferns have never lost at the fast five format because it's only been one year and you won every. Mm. I think maybe was, was it a draw. There's a draw, I think, yeah. in the Un- first Unbeaten. One. Yeah. Never lost. That's a record you want to keep and storm on through this time? Yes, we do. Um, like I think the key word that everybody's used here is we want to have fun, um, but also we want to win at the same time. And when you're winning, you have a lot of fun. So we just got to do well. Um, we've got a bit of a game plan, um, but it's just trying to, you read it, um, read the game, and that's what it's, that's all, it's all about. We want that creativity and the flair out there. Because it's pretty open with less players on the court, isn't it? It is, it is. And, you know, you think, oh, well, I've done my bit, but really you have to still be available for every ball. So... Um, but you have short, intense bursts of um, of the game, and then you're off, sort of thing. Is it more tiring? Nah, because because you sub, um, and you only go for that for however long you decide to. Um, you can sort of you can work hard um, for that, and then you're off, and you just recover. It's pretty much like interval training. And uh, who's the big threat? Is it going to be England again? Do you think? Um, and probably Jamaica too. Um, and Australia, they're always a threat. But um, with the Jamaicans, you know, they've got Janelle and Romelda, so if they put in that goal attack and goal shoot, well, mm. yeah. Mm, they've got mm. a few inches on me, yes, I believe. Yes, yes, yeah, they do. Yeah. And I'm only just taller than yes. you. Yes. Crikey. And um, finally, on the crowds, um, it's almost sold out for Sunday already, so that's looking promising. Uh, expecting sort of good home support, I'm sure. Yeah, it is, and we, that's what we want to create, is that atmosphere for people to come up, you know, dress up, have a good time, enjoy the game. Um, and don't make it just like every other netball game. That's Casey Coppola talking to Richard Wayne. And that brings us to the end of Extra Time for this week. Remember, if you'd like to contact us about anything at all, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz. I'm Stephen Hewson. Bye for now. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.